welcome to Movie Geeks United, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have a great entertaining show in store for you tonight, jam-packed with movie geek goodness. Let me bring up my co-hosts, Dean and Jerry. I'm Jamie, by the way. I feel like we don't introduce ourselves often enough. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Dean Treadway. <laughs> yes, Jamie Duvall. Go ahead, Jerry. William Shatner. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, you guys doing okay? Yeah, yeah, no, no. Absolutely, just finished watching a film. Oh, good. Well, let's. What movie? I watched one. Uh, I watched one this morning too. It Hush. It's this horror movie on Netflix that okay. everybody's been raving about. It was. It was pretty good. It was a good, solid little horror film. Oh, good. There's not enough of those. It's not the Jessica Lange Hush from years ago with Gwyneth. I think it was that. I, I really, <laughs> even I knew that. Completely different. <laughs> Looking through Netflix last night, I, I, I sort of figured that, but uh, I watched Midnight Special, oh. and uh, I um, didn't care for it so much. <laughs> Do we really oh. need another one of these retellings of E.T., or, I mean, if you want to go Starman, or uh, even the movie that I was in when I was a kid, um, uh, the late 70s movie from Italy called... Um, Sheriff and the Satellite Kid, which is basically the same story as Midnight Special. Wow. Well, I, mean, what I he said he he said he was remaking Sheriff and the Satellite Kid, like from the start. I, I, I knew, I knew it. Uh, but can I just say, I thought it was the outtakes from Tomorrowland. To be honest with you, at the end. Oh, oh yeah, it, it 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 had it had that uh, it it did have that. I mean, you know, they didn't want to go the way of like. I mean, we're spoiling the movie for people, I guess. But I mean, if you say hey, it's it's a retelling of ET, I've already spoiled it for you. But uh, yeah, they didn't want to show like a spaceship, I guess, so they just did it that way. Uh, but uh, I thought it was like overly ponderous, and I was like, "Come on, we've already seen this story. Get on with it." And can you goose it up a little humor or something? Because I mean, it was just a bunch of people looking all grim and everything all the way through the movie. Uh, even the mm. kid and everything, it was just it was just a, a dour exercise and and kind of, well at least at least it has Michael Shannon in it. I mean that yeah makes yeah anything, no Michael you know. Shannon. I, I have no problem with the cast. I mean I loved uh, I thought I thought everybody was effective. I mean I you know I mean I, Kirsten Dunst is kind of wasted. She just cries all the way through it. But uh, Who? Um, Kirsten Dunst. But. Oh. Uh, um, I loved uh, I and I continue to love Joel Egerton. I I I think he's a very exciting actor, uh, and I thought he was partic- I thought he was the best of the bunch. Well, and Adam Driver think, is fine, you know. I yelled out just, "murderer." I kept yelling out "murderer" whenever he came on screen. That that did not go over well. We'll never but, um, never forgive him. <laughs> Never forgive that son of a bitch. Um, yeah, watching watching girls watching girls in this household is not a fun um, chore. But um, I will say this: I will say this. I think the film is actually very good until the boy gives the rat. Well, gives the, he gives the explanation of yeah. who he is and everything. And when he does that, I think it kills the movie because you're like, it, it, oh, okay. I mean, you know, you kind of you kind of know what the movie's going to be. You know, you know what it is, uh, and it just takes a long time getting to where it's going. And and there's no surprises. There's no, I, there's nothing. There's nothing moving about it or anything like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it could be 
uh, maybe people haven't seen the other movies that I've mentioned, you know. Uh, but if you haven't seen I, uh, E.T., boy, I, I, you I thought, really need I to go out was, and see that. <laughs> I thought it was about, uh, like, Walmart at, at, at the beginning of Black Friday. That's what I thought. <laughs> That would have been a much more interesting movie. Somebody needs to do a movie about uh, uh, Walmart in Black Friday during Black Friday. I think they uh, yeah, that, and that call would it be Black Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it sound like a horror movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Go. Good idea. Okay. A little <laughs> bit later, we'll be we'll be joined by Adam Log, and we'll review all the Blu-ray releases that have come out throughout the month of April. But first, we have a very special guest panelist. Joining us on this episode, it is my best friend, Rick Jansen. He is a film teacher and a filmmaker, and uh, it's the funniest thing. I told the story a couple of weeks ago, but I'll retell it. So he and I have been best friends for like 22, 23 years. And, you know, his students' films, they produce a series of films every year, and they send it out to festivals across the country, and they always get accepted. They got five movies in the Sunscreen Film Festival, which is a Tampa-based festival, the longest-running festival in the Tampa Bay area. And the publicist for that film festival wrote me and said, can I interest you in an interview with Rick Jansen? (laughs) And so so I went to Rick, and I was like, do I need to go through your publicist to uh, arrange this interview? And uh, he's here. I didn't have to do that. So he's here tonight, and he's going to tell us all about the work that he does with the students and his own filmmaking, and the upcoming festivals, and the ones that he's been involved in. Hey, buddy. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> How are you, Rick? That was the greatest introduction ever. I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing, too. <laughs> uh, so, yes, I mean, how do you interview? I, I mean, I'm used to interviewing people, but how do you interview someone you already feel like you know everything about? Uh, <laughs> ah, that's a challenge. <laughs> it very much is. So, uh, you, you guys, your help is most appreciated. So, uh, let's talk about the, the most pressing news first, which is Sunscreen Film Festival. Uh, it takes place this upcoming weekend in, in Tampa. You can go to sunscreenfilmfestival.com. But t- tell me uh, about what films you, you got in there and what, what you're excited about showing the people. Well, we have um, five student films that they got in in the high school category. And one of them is called Common Ground, which was written and directed by William Stead. Uh, one is called Delivery, which is uh, written and directed by our own Will Smith, who's <laughs> <He's> a junior <laughs> in high school. And um, one is called Elsewhere, which is uh, written by C.R. Lauren Brown and directed by Taylor Beck. And um, TikTok, which is written and directed by Wesley Hayes. Whipped is written by uh, McKenna Lewis and directed by Mackenzie Pike. So those are the five films that we have in. Okay, so so let's, uh, for, for those that, are, uh, that do not know, uh, which is most people, because most people aren't necessarily from the area that listen to the show, uh, you teach at Harrison uh, School for the Arts, Lois Cowles Harrison School for the Arts. It is yeah. a, it is where I graduated from. I was there the first two years that they were open. So it is for high school students. It's got a variety of disciplines. When I started, there was theater and dance and art, and I was in the theater department. But uh, years ago, they started a film department, and actually they started it. They, they hired you to begin that department how when was that started at Harrison in the fall of 2010 
And, uh, yeah, I was teaching at George Jenkins High School in Lakeland, uh, television production. And then when they were, you know, deciding they wanted to open a film program, I was very interested in that. So I, I definitely sent my resume and made myself known and got lucky, got the job. Did they give you kind of free reign on how to de- define what that program would be? Well, I mean, I, I feel like, um, they, I mean, they, they wanted my input, but at the same time, I feel like uh, Dr. Collins and Dr. Ward were the ones that set it up. I mean, they knew that they wanted it to be about the filmmaking, um, you know, primarily storytelling. And um, they they knew that it would probably be narrative films more so than any other style of filmmaking. And, um, you know, but, but to be honest, I mean, they give me a lot of freedom. You know, I, I have a lot of freedom to... To um, yeah, you know, try different kinds of films, and you know, of course, so, of course, it ends up being the kids deciding what gets made as well. So, what kind of curriculum do you cover? We basically take filmmaking from its inception, from you know the the, the script writing, you know, all the way to the the final editing, the final sound mix, and color correction, and you know, they do it all, and uh, we have to make several films a year, and. Um, and you know we this is our sixth year in the program, and we've been we've had a really good year, strong year. We've been very very lucky. You know we all wish I'm sure that Dean and Jerry do too that at our high school that we actually had like a film program <laughs> like this yes. when we were at high school. Oh yeah, often, yeah, I mean, I often wonder what are kids what are the kids into in terms of movies nowadays? I mean, are are they are they preoccupied with the right kinds of films, films that they learn from? Are they, are they genuinely interested in films and film history? Or, you know, what are the students like in terms of their relationship to film nowadays? Well, I mean, some of them have different interests, just, you know, just like us. Uh, I mean, I have some that, that love films from throughout history, but then, of course, you know, there's students that like the more contemporary films that are out there, including, you know, the, you know, the Marvel stuff that's out. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty diverse and I, I try to make them watch at least one film a week on average. For instance, last week I showed the juniors and seniors, um, Kramer versus Kramer and some of them really liked it a lot. Wow. How great, how great is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a movie that I always hold up as, on the, on the show. It's like, is anybody watching this? That, that is great. <laughs> Yeah, and you guys actually, I mean, the facility is so amazing. So anyone out there that has kids that uh, you might want to move to Florida or maybe you're already in Florida and you want to look into it, uh, the facility is incredible, and it even has a, a screening theater. So you can you can show them these films, and then, and then you take time to discuss them. I know a few weeks ago you showed them Night of, Night of the Hunter, and you, uh, you wrote me, and you were like, uh, and and all the president's men. And you wrote me and you said any anything you think we should discuss in terms of this film. But you know, and I thought, oh gosh, if I was able to watch those movies in high school with a group and engage in conversation about this, yeah, that would have been I mean, so great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I'm, but, I'm I'm pretty like. <laughs> so and the and the caliber of production too. Um, so so, tell me about the the what kind of reign you give them to create their own projects and their own voice, and then how you guide them through that process. How, how, how invasive are you in the actual process? I think it depends on the student. You know, some of them 
you're you're able to give more freedom and more more reign. Uh, you can trust them. Um, but I mean, it, it depends. I mean, I, I I'm involved early on, of course, when with the you know, drafts of the screenplays that that they send and share, and so I'll have input there. And you know, sometimes you know, there's things that I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe this needs to be worked out. But then sometimes uh, they're pretty close to being ready to shoot. Like, what's the Hayes' film TikTok? Um, it, you know, it was his first draft was pretty close to what's on the screen now. Mm. Um, so it just depends on the, it depends on what film it is, and you know, it's, some of them are more challenging, and you know the. And sometimes the challenging ones are the ones that really pay off in the long run. But, I mean, I typically am not around for most of the shooting um, because that's done after school and on the weekends. I mean, sometimes I'm involved and sometimes not. But then in post-production, you know, I try to move around through the edit suites and, and look at what they're looking at and see how it plays. And, you know, I might say, hey, you might want to, you know, pull this shot out, it, it it slows the scene down or, or, you know, whatever, something of that nature. And, you know, usually I try and do it in such a manner where we discuss it. So it's not like me saying, oh, you know, this needs to go. I mean, I try to have a discussion to where, you know, they come to the same conclusion that, that you know, that I'm feeling about maybe it slows the scene down or, or whatever. Or sometimes they'll counter my thoughts and say, well, the reason I did this is because of this. And it's like, okay. Yeah, well, at least, at least yeah. you thought about it. So, kids must be more visually acute nowadays. I mean, does that make sense? Do you find that that's true at all? I, I would agree with that. I mean, and and they do use you know the use the the resources around them like YouTube and stuff to look up shots. But at the same time, I do I do feel like they are pretty creative. You know, I I don't I don't feel like they're outright copying too many things. At least my students, I don't feel like are are doing that. But but. But they, you know, they they take what they like, what they've seen that they like, and and you know, like like any artist, they'll they'll borrow from from what what they find is worthwhile, and you yeah. know, change it yeah. to make it their own. And have you ever shown anything that there you've gotten criticism for, like parental criticism for? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I would nothing nothing too bad, but but yeah, I mean, we have been criticized, like just like any program, you know, different films come from different years and sometimes like one year in particular they we were criticized that the films were pretty dark and uh and i guess one of the films got into a film festival at um at uh, gasparilla film festival and i guess like one of the parents was upset at some of the contents in the film and, and went out and complained to the, the film festival workers and I mean, I, I heard about it later, and I felt bad about it. But, 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 but yeah, I mean, I think inevitably, if you're going to take chances, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. inevitably you're going to upset somebody. Right, and right. So, I, so that's happened, but no, nothing really bad. I mean, and trust me, I try very hard, and I think the students try hard as well, we, to, to be responsible. And, you know, right. I, I definitely tell them that, you know, filmmaking is a powerful tool, and, you know, we do have a responsibility to be smart about what we do and how we do it. Do you see a so penchant for, for for dark themes in their in their work in general, or is, are people uh, still doing? Are are your students doing comedy as well? Or um, well, I think we have a pretty good mix 
uh, I think since that year we've had a pretty good mix. I, I don't know why all the films were specifically directed. This was like a, our second year. It was two, our 2011, 2012 school year. And, and yeah, the films were dark. And, and I did tell the students, I said, look, we need to lighten up. Uh, I, I made a joke. I said, people will leave our showcases, you know, feeling suicidal. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, we don't want to do that. So, you know, they did lighten up. I mean, you know, but they say comedy's the hardest. Maybe that was part of the reason why they were shying away from it. I, I don't know. Um, well, I went to I went to the show because I go to your showcase every year, where you mm-hmm. pl- where you play the community what the kids have been working on, uh, mm-hmm. and it's it's like an hour and a half, hour and forty five minute program mm-hmm. of all these short films. And uh, I mean, first of all, people would be amazed by the quality uh, across the board of, of writing and production and performance and the whole bit but also there there is a great mix anyway so two more quick questions for you give me a, a sense of what kinds of festivals we already mentioned sunscreen and gasparilla which are both florida based but you you guys have played all across the country haven't you yeah we've had films in um la las vegas uh santa fe new mexico Asheville, north carolina yeah i mean we've, we've had films um all over i i think we're You'll, we'll probably start focusing on Sundance Film Festival in the near future, seeing if we could get anything in there to, mm. to do it. Because that would be exciting. South yeah, by great. Southwest? Yes, I'd like to get into that too. Yeah, South by Southwest. Yeah. Even just, you know, anything around that area, Austin, would be great. Mm, yeah. I think, that's, so, I think they'd be very uh, I mean, receptive. I mean, the, I mean that's that's amazing the, the opportunities that you're giving kids now and how you're teaching them. But for anyone that uh, wants further information, first of all, on the program, visit HarrisonArts.com. If you want information about this week's uh, weekend's film festival, that's at SunscreenFilmFestival.com. And finally, I want you to tell me because this is a long time coming. I've been promising to bring you on the show for years to talk about it. Your last film that you made, Lamp Post Lane. Of which I am a co-star. I mean, you know, if you're going to sell it, I mean, that alone is. Uh, <laughs> I want to say it already. I've seen so, it. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. Okay. So that's Jerry's being kind. On Amazon, yeah, right? No, I'm not being kind. Being <laughs> honest, I mean, no, I saw it. I've seen it. It's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. Um, yeah, it was a, it's a low-budget movie that we made for less than eight thousand dollars, and we shot it in thirteen days, and you know, and yeah, Jamie's in it, and. Yeah, we had a good time. My, my my daughter is actually the star, and and I gotta say she's she's very good. Really good. Yeah. And she has no desire to be an actress either. So you know that that's the funny part. She just did it just for me. But but anyway, yeah, it was it was a fun experience, and we're definitely trying to figure out what we're gonna do next. So. But whatever you do, I'm gonna be the star, right? Yes, yes, you. Okay. Yeah, you are. This is taping. I've already told this you that. Taping. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Tens of thousands of people are going to hear you say that. They're going to hold you to it. Okay. Good. Uh, all right. Let's bring on – so, Rick, you're going to stick around for our Blu-ray? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's bring on Adam Long, our good buddy. Adam. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Adam. I'm good. How are you? Hey, Adam. Uh, hey, Adam. Doing doing well. Uh, great. Uh, good good stuff. Good stuff. Yes, Adam. Adam, meet my best friend, Rick. He's on the line here. <laughs> Great Hi, to meet you, Rick. Nice to meet you too. 
Hey, can I can I bring up before we get into Blu-rays? Can can we talk about the, a couple of movies that are out there before I, before we? I I went to the movies yesterday, which is rare. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's as rare as you make it out to be. Yeah, I mean. probably not. Uh, uh, but uh, I just have to like I have to pipe up and talk about uh, the Jungle Book. Uh, okay. Uh, because I think that that is that's the first legitimate possible best picture nominee uh, this year. I think that this is like one of the most uh, magnificent kids films that's ever been made, uh, and literary adaptations as well. Um, uh, I was just kind of blown away by it, um, how great it was. It was uh, just uh, magnificently acted. Of course, the visuals are are unbelievable. Uh, the score by John, it's got a John Debney score, uh, huh. is superb. Uh, they reuse, they do use a couple of the songs from uh, from the '67 uh, Disney adaptation. And uh, the voice work is terrific. I mean, you know, Idris Elba as as the uh, villainous tiger, uh, and uh, Ben Kingsley as as the panther that protects Mowgli. Uh, the kids, uh, Neil Sethi is terrific. Um, uh, uh, Lupita Nyong'o is uh, and uh, Giancarlo Esposito as the wolf parents of uh, Mowgli. And uh, Scarlett Johansson is the Python Ka, and uh, that's that's a great sequence, by the way. And um, every every time I think of Scarlett Johansson, I think of a big snake. <laughs> and they don't have don't her all. doing don't they don't have her doing the song "Trust in Me" until the very uh, it's over the closing credits. The credits are great. Uh, the I mean everything was perfect in it. I, I I just you know I was like transformed like back into a little kid watching. Wow. It. I was just like I was like wow this is this is this is fantastic. And that so, comes from John uh, Farrow, right? John yeah, Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah, no, no, so. it's, it's a really good movie. I mean, it's surprisingly good. Um, I, I you know you gotta forgive me. I don't remember the Sabu Jungle Book at all, and I have seen that. But I this was this was actually you know really well done. I mean, you are kind of thunderstruck by how well done it is. Um, and even if you've seen the original, like the cartoon, there's a lot of stuff that's that's, uh, that's different. It goes different places. Uh, it, it, it's exciting. It's, uh, it is just so good. I just can't stand how good it is. And the CG uh, is, uh, I mean, that, that furthers your investment. It doesn't take you out at all. Absolutely. I thought it was just, I, I thought it was, you know, I mean, I still think that there's something a little strange, even in the animal's eyes, you know, like, I think there's just, there's some kind of, there's some kind of thing that like the, the computer can't understand eyes, but uh, um, I, I don't, I, I, it didn't take me out of the movie at all. Uh, I yeah. mean, that's, that's just the most minor of, <laughs> I mean, like minuscule comp- Complaint. I wouldn't even call it a complaint. Well, that's uh, gotten infinitely better since uh, you know the Polar Express days. Oh yeah, and, oh, yeah, and the um, and I mean, uh, I loved. This is the best Bill Murray performance in years. I think. <laughs> I mean, 
uh, as as uh, Baloo the Bear. I mean, they really do a good job of getting the kind of Murray uh, look into the bear's face. Uh, it's a it's a very very funny performance, and um, uh, God, I just I can't say enough good things about it. Did you see it, Adam? What a- I did see it, and I wasn't quite as thrilled as Dean was. I must admit, I got to tell the truth. I, I thought it was visually a great experience. It's outstanding to see, and I would recommend the 3D on this one. But I felt yeah, like no, the, uh, yeah, definitely the 3D. Yeah, but I felt like the the story is it's the typical Disney nuance and subtext free thing that they've been doing for so long. There's just not. You know, it's all what the story is pretty much what you see on the surface, and that's it. And I just, I, I don't know. It's, and and I felt like I had some jarring shifts in tone from when they, it's it's scary at one moment, and then they start singing the next, and uh, they break into song, <laughs> yeah. and I don't, I don't know. It's, it was just, it's it's not bad. It's 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 a decent film, but I just wasn't quite as bold over as he was. But but I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, I dug it, big yeah. time. And uh, I should also say this, that I saw uh, Everybody Wants Some, the uh-huh. new Richard Linklater movie yesterday, which is opening wider uh, in its release. And uh, that was a disappointment. Really? Uh, what, what didn't you like about it? I'm just curious. I mean, you know, I, <clears throat> I thought that it was a, <clears throat> I thought it was a, a, a very likable movie. It would be a nice movie to sit around and, you know, it's a good, it would be a good taco movie, you know, to have tacos too. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, I just thought that it was an exercise in, in nostalgia, really, and I didn't really think that it went anywhere. It just, it just, it didn't have. It, it, I mean, this movie has zero conflict in it. Uh, I mean, like maybe some little childish, you know, uh, uh, arguments between the guys at this college, you know, who are on this baseball team. But uh, but their bond is so strong that uh, nothing really seems to dent that bond, really. So there's no danger of that happening. It seems like they're they're very they're very much team players. Uh, So I just. You know, with Daisy Confused, which, you know, even the director himself has said that it's the spiritual sequel to Daisy Confused. So it bears, you know, it's not my fault that I have to compare it to that. But with Daisy Confused, I felt like there was an undercurrent of uh, sadness and fear of the future and so forth amongst, and a lot of, you know, Teenage angst and so forth amongst all of this uh, this group of you know graduating high schoolers, but uh, with this, uh, I just didn't find that there was anything there. There was just I was searching for it too, and I, I just I just didn't. All I could find was by the end of it was that these guys were much more interested in in the extracurricular stuff than they were in actual school. That's well, the last shot is. Yeah. I think that's the that's you, you just you just hit what college, that first weekend before classes start is. I mean, that's yeah. what that first weekend is. I don't think I've ever seen anything so perfectly put on the film. Well, here's the work. other problem too is that I didn't, you know, Dave's confused is funny. I didn't really find this funny. Oh really? Uh, I, I thought just, this was very funny. I thought this I thought was, it got I better mean, in the last third. I thought it was. But I got to I mean. 
I got to be honest with you. I mean, not, not, I think Days and Confused is a far better film. I actually think I like this more than Boyhood, though. Really? I think this is, oh, I think this is actually more of the sequel to Boyhood than it is Days and Confused. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's, this is real. I guess that's that, possible. No, no. Yeah. I mean, but I think, I mean, it's that first weekend that you're in college before classes start. That's. I mean, we were talking. We were talking about it earlier with uh, Rick's students and everything. You know, and just with school, you know, with, and with you were talking about with, um, you know, student films in college. I mean, I thought that this film. It's like this first weekend of freedom, and you don't know what to expect. You don't know what to even think, and you're being sort of like, you know, pulled in like every different direction. And I and I thought this film did that very well. But I also thought it was incredibly funny. Um, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing during it. Um, it was very well. Funny. You know what? Some some films, I mean, some films have a dramatic structure, and others mm. don't. I mean, some films want to tell a story with all the beats, and other films just want to give you a, a feeling or a sense of something. So yeah. Would, would you guys put Everybody Wants Some in that second category? Oh, I would put most Richard Linklater's. You know. Films in that category. I mean, let's be honest. Slacker, Days and Confused, this, um, a Scanner Darkly, even. I, they're more of a feeling. There's not. No one would ever accuse Richard Linklater of being a deep thinker. Um, it's just or, not or, or somebody who somebody who is slavishly slavishly devoted to the rules of screenwriting. You know. So, yeah. I mean, right. I mean, Can but, I put that quote know. on a poster? No one would ever accuse Richard Linklater of being a deep thinker. Yeah, the I know, yeah, but it's not there. I mean, because what's really sad is that you know the movie that he is in. The, he's a great filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. He's like Sodenberg to an extent. He's very concerned with the mechanics of filmmaking. But I mean, the one film that he is Waking Life is the one film that he is like that uh, people claim he's getting at something. And I gotta be honest, I don't see it. But um, <laughs> but it's, okay. yeah, it's film, but I find that movie more, kind of ponderous too. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think you hit on the word ponderous, to, you know, with several films here that he's done. I mean, and it's that. I mean, even me and Orson Welles. I mean, or even uh-huh. Bernie, or either, none of these films are deep films. They are fun films. They're very interesting films. But deep is not something we associate. Um, See, oh Bernie, God, Bernie is my favorite. Bernie is my favorite. Uh, Actually, let me films. let me tell you a story. Um, I went to go, we went to go to a screening of Days and Confused um, for my birthday, and um, I, went, I went with one of my best friends, and she said, "You know what, Jerry? I kind of thought the Son-in-Law was a better film." Okay, so just to what? show you, I mean, that, yes, Pauly Shore movie, Pauly Shore movie. That, and these are people who would understand Days and Confused better than any of us. And they're like, you know what? The Son-in-Law was a better movie. And, uh, and Jerry, uh, i got to tell you, no one would ever accuse Pauly Shore of being a deep thinker. No, no, Adam, <laughs> how's this month's crop of Blu-rays looking? Oh, ah, well, <laughs> you, we, we've got the Criterions and the Twilight Times. There's always some interesting things in the Scream and Shout <laughs> factories. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, are, are they well, releasing uh, the fourth Amityville Horror in a special three Blu-ray <laughs> disc set this month? Well, <laughs> listen, you know, you know, guys, we left off last month with the Gong Show movie being released. So that's where oh, that was. God. That's where we left off last month. So that gives you an indication. I, I felt that was quite exciting, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, one of my colleagues, uh, he got a co- he got a review copy of it, and he reviewed it. In uh, um, he uh, he gave it one star. He said it was as bad as, you, <laughs> as the legend. <laughs> Oh well. That preceded it. He said it was really. I thought we were going to rediscover a a drubbed classic. Uh, (laughs) He said it actually gets kind of funny during the uh, the last half hour, but uh, a little too much, too little, too little, too late. So Mm. anyway, so I'm still curious about it, though. I'm going to have to check it out. But anyway, so yeah, I'm a I'm a big uh, I'm a big J P Morgan fan. (laughs) Yeah, and Jamie Farr too. So yeah, I have to yeah. see it. <laughs> wow. Well, all right. So we'll, we'll... Man, I, I don't think I've ever heard that phrase before in my life. I'm a big J, Jamie Farr fan. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, I've never heard that before in my life. So this is a great, this is a great thing. Right? Well, okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, all right. Uh, April 5th, we'll, we'll start there. And uh, April 5th uh, saw the release of Purple Plane. Not purple rain, purple plane. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, oh <Gregory>. man! <laughs> what is that? Gregory. It's a Gregory Peck film from 1954. I I couldn't resist uh, leading off with that one. For is that a western? Reasons. It's a western, isn't it? Uh, it's the sequel to The Great War. Oh, okay. And, uh, which I've not seen that one either. But um, Robert Parrish directed, but uh, Kino Lorber is issu- issuing Purple Plane. Oh yeah, it's a British film. That's right. Robert That's, Parrish yeah. is the is the is the British director. Uh, yep. And I think isn't he the same guy that gave us uh, uh, Kind Hearts and Coronets and Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I really yeah. I really like the scene where uh, Gregory Peck punches Apollonia. In that movie. <laughs> 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 or where he asked her to skinny dip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so uh, Arrow has re- uh, has seen fit. Arrow is a uh, British. Uh, they they're based out of Britain, but they've been uh, edging into the United States market for a little bit. They're the guys who did the uh, those great special editions of. Um, uh, the Long Goodbye and all those De Palma mm-hmm. movies, Sisters and uh, Obsession and all those are terrific. If you've got a region-free player, I'd highly recommend getting them. Uh, but they've done The Black Cat from 1981, and that's uh, directed by Lucio Fulci, that Italian mm-hmm. guy known for those gore flicks. And so that's that's The Arrow, uh, and that one is a U.S. release, even though it's they're still based out of Great Britain. So... Anyway, uh, The Gallant Hours from Kino Lorber. That's another one. Uh, so a James Cagney, 1960, World War II uh, thing. And I'm not uh, really all that familiar with it, I must admit. But uh, if you're a Cagney completist, there you go. Um, also, uh, speaking of Scream Factory, uh, The Hollow, which is... Uh, uh, and that one is a fairly recent film, actually, that they're doing there and so what is the um, hollow do you do you know anything about that i'm not it's just a. let's see it's um it's got joseph Molley and directed by corin hardy i'm not familiar with any of these guys actually <laughs> but it's uh okay well, uh, well you yeah. sold it well as long as you tell so. people it's a horror film it has an audience it well, came out those, last year. It's a 2015 film. That's right. right. It actually is. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, dear God. 
Yeah, well, anyway, it's Shout Factory release, so, you know. And I don't know if we want to mention this or not, but it's a new release. But I guess it is worth mentioning since it's a big uh, talking point as Star Wars The Force Awakens, of course, came out April 5th. And uh, I guess that's worth mentioning because there is that uh, Laurent Boutsero documentary that's been playing at uh, some of these film festivals that's included on there. And they say that's really good. I haven't had a chance to see it. Can we talk about him for a second? Yeah, let's do. <laughs> Who does? I like that guy. Actually, I'm a big Dude, fan. That guy, I've got more books by that guy than I care to admit. I mean, yeah. Well, here's my big complaint with it. First of all, just to explain to everybody, if you don't know who he is, he does most of the features. Uh, like if if there's a short documentary about a film on a DVD, ninety mm-hmm. percent of the time it's directed by him. It seems like. Um, yep. And if it's not directed by him, it's directed by somebody who's aping him. Um, but, um, you know, here's my big complaint with uh, extras, these kind of documentaries on DVD, and that is that, okay, so I just finished watching the movie, okay? Mm-hmm. And now I want to watch the documentary. But the documentary is so larded up with scenes that I from the movie that I just watched, that I get very irritated with it. Is that just me? Is that is that something that bothers yeah, anybody else? I don't like that either. I'm kind of with you on that. Um, yeah, I want to see the talking heads. I don't want to really repeat what I've just watched. I, I'm kind of in that camp. I think that he overuses it. Like when, when, it, when the documentaries get going – they're going right. and they're good and everything, and you're getting good information, and then you get another minute or so of clips from the movie that that sort of interrupt it, and and I just wish that he would let up on that. Because I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's almost uh, it's almost like just a promotional short film, to, like right. something you'd release to promote the actual movie. Instead of something right. you watch to deepen your understanding of the movie after you've seen it, exactly. I think, I, I think from a, from an educational or instructive viewpoint, nothing can beat a, a really good director commentary. And some directors do it really well, and others just narrate what you're watching. But uh, I think that what what we want those production films to be, those making of featurettes, we want them to be more instructive, like the commentaries, and they're generally not geared towards that. It, that mystifies me because I, I I want to know. I mean, I've already bought the DVD. <laughs> you can presume right, right. that I've already watched the movie numerous times. So why do I need to see those scenes again? Yep. I mean, <laughs> just uh, just just keep to the Talking Heads. Go to some background production stills. Any footage that you might have of of the of the thing being made. And then leave it at that. I mean, but I we think don't that Star Wars, a... from what I understand, Star Wars is different. I think I think the Star Wars feature is more based on what you find in a, a Fincher disc, like the making of the Social Network, the mm-hmm. where you you really are like a like a fly on the wall during rehearsals and that kind of thing. That's my understanding of what that is. Yeah, I mean, is that is that, have you, oh so you haven't seen it yet? Okay. No, I haven't. Well, I haven't gotten. I haven't watched it either. I mean, I've heard. Rick, I've heard have you, have you watched it yet? About it. The Star Wars one? No, I haven't. No. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, I know. But those, those are the best is, ones, uh, though. 
the, the, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the documentaries that do that. I mean, that social mm-hmm. network is so exhaustive. You're like, okay, yeah. I, I know what it was like to uh, to film that movie. I got a great sense yeah. of it after the first three hours. Thank you. <laughs> and, and also, also like you know, Paul Thomas Anderson is pretty good at it. Yeah, uh, yeah. At, at doing yeah. those too. So, well, okay. by the way, I just I just got to tell you, he's an impossible guest to get. I've been trying for years to get that Laurent Buzero guy. Maybe maybe it's mm-hmm. because I don't know how to pronounce his name. Why he won't come on the show? <laughs> but well, he, it's impossible to get him. Okay, go and ahead, Adam. Probably because he's busy. <laughs> he's yeah. making yeah. he's making money. Well, he's the guy. You know, he's the guy that uh, Spielberg and De Palma exclusively use for all of their because they don't do they don't do commentaries. So right, they use which is him. a They've shame. Been using him. I know, I know, and they have uh, all of the um, documentaries that you find on their discs are all exclusively done by him. So he has a good working relationship with both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I'll tell you, he started with in the laser disc days. You know, they did that big box set of 1941, and that documentary on 1941 is also very exhaustive and very good. It's l- almost as long as the film, and uh, if you want to know all, all about the production of 1941, that's. <laughs> It's, yeah. rep- it's replicated yeah. on the DVD Blu-ray too as well. So, oh, that's anyway. good to know. Yeah, it's good stuff. But uh, anyway, so moving right along, uh, Prefontaine. Uh, oh, the Robert Town. Yeah. Well, this is the Steve James directed. Uh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. The Robert, Robert Town was with, it, without limits. That's with the Robert Town. Without limits. Is that's that one. the one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's the better movie too. Uh, but who's, yeah. who's who's Prefontaine in this? Is is it uh, Jared Leto? Jared Leto, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Arlie Ermy is in it, and Ed O'Neill and Amy Locaine. So, uh, yeah, I know Siskel and Ebert were big on that when it came out. I remember, but um, anyway, I like so, Without Limits a little bit more because uh, I think mainly because of Donald Sutherland, I thought he was. Yes. Superb in it. Yeah, I mean they're both good movies, but the Robert Town one is the one that you lean towards. I remember, I mean, no, no, no one in the right mind when this came out that you needed two Prefontaine movies. That was like the <laughs> which is, you know, always when that happens, that's just the weirdest. Uh, but the, but you would think two movies about Prefontaine, you're just like wow. I mean, and then you know what? They're both good movies. It's just the one by Robert Town is. Well, you know, it's interesting. It. I, I read about no, the Robert Town version. Uh, the Robert Town version. Um, you know, Tom Cruise has a boner for Robert Town. He has since the, his first Mission Impossible. But he, but he knew that uh, Robert Town really wanted to do a Steve Prefontaine film, and uh, he wanted Tom Cruise to star in it. And he said, "No, I don't want to star in it. I'm not that young anymore, and I don't feel that part." But he said, "I'll produce it for you." And uh, then they went out, and didn't they find, was Billy Crudup, Crudup Prefontaine in Crudup, that one? Right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and he didn't want Donald Sutherland for that part. He really wanted Harrison Ford for, for the coach. And he resisted Donald Sutherland, but the studio insisted upon him. But by the end of the shoot, he was like, Sutherland was perfect. Like, exceeded everything that I had dreamed for that part. So, He's a little trivia. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Adam. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. Well, Journey to the Seventh Planet uh, from 1961, that's a Kino Lorber release, science fiction there that uh, John Agar, who uh, <laughs> appeared in a lot of those films around that time, uh, he's in that one, and um, 
So let's see, moving right along here. There's two uh, two more Lucio Fulci uh, releases from Arrow Video. It's a box set wow. here. Uh, Death Walks on High and Death Walks at Midnight. So those come as a double feature. If you're uh, a Fulci the whole completed. Lucio Fulci thing just totally escapes me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really get it. <laughs> I, I, I mean. I've seen, look, I've only seen a, a few of them. I mean, I've seen, like, some of these, uh, Tomb of Tomb of the Walking Dead, and uh, the Beyond, uh, I think he did The Beyond, which was also called Seven Doors of Death. Right, that's the one, yeah, that's true. And that's that's probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. And then he also did Zombie, right? Yeah, he did mm-hmm. Zombie. But I, I prefer all these Italian guys to what we have going on in the last, like, 20, 30 years in this country. I won't lie to you, I mean. Isn't Fulci, like, uh, I mean, there's that big rivalry uh, among uh, film nerds between Fulci and Argento, right? And they yeah, sound like two spaghetti songs. I think there is. I'm sorry. <laughs> and there's probably, you know, Mario Baba comes into play there, yes, too. Yes, Baba, and, right. And, and, and there's probably a couple of others that we don't, we don't know about because we're not giallo nerds, uh, <laughs> which... I don't know if do you guys know what giallo is? That's oh, yeah. oh, Italian horror. So uh, just making sure. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, I will say this: you can never be sure of what's going to happen next in them. Uh, so there's a certain value in that because the, I mean, mm-hmm. shit, zombie had this fight between a zombie and a shark. So I mean, it's probably one of the greatest scenes <laughs> in like, computer history. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's not a Roger Corman production. I mean, that's what's yeah. most surprising about that's it. That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll take a look at the Twilight Time slate for uh, April, and there's some uh, pretty pretty decent titles here. Prayer for the Dying with Mickey Rourke yeah. is probably the 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 least of them. Not though it does have its charms, I guess. Uh, there's <laughs> that that greasy hair. Yes. Yeah. There you oh, go. Yeah. <laughs> Very underrated Gre- movie, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. It's uh well com- compared to some of the other things they put out this month, I think I'm not saying it's the worst thing, but compared to these other titles, I think you may agree. Cutter's Way they issued this month also. With, uh, oh well, that's, well, 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 Cutter's Way is well, 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 well ahead of um, the Prayer for the Dying. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well ahead. That's, that's what I'm saying. As is Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, which they oh, all God, moved, yeah. uh, put yeah. out this month. And that has already been issued a couple of years ago. They 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 pressed three thousand of those, and they ran completely through that pressing. And so they've now pressed three thousand more. And they say when this pressing is done, that's it. There's no more. So that's the same uh, thing with Cutter's Way, as well. Uh, yeah, Cutter's Way three thousand, and that's it. It's, it's done. Wow, but, man, uh, I might have to get on It's a big reminder of. It, it's like a relic because if, for film geeks, it's a big reminder of a time when Michael Cimino was a responsible filmmaker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was yeah. a time. Yeah. So I mean, cut, uh, Cutter's Way too. I mean, just to talk about Cutter's Way for a second. If you guys haven't seen that, uh, is make it make it top priority because yeah. that is one of the great uh, the great. I wouldn't just call it a thriller. Uh, it's not just that. It's also a character study. It's actually three character studies. Um, uh, and uh, John Hurd, yeah. who's the uh, lead in it, is just so... He's really good in it. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. And Lisa Eichhorn, 
and of course the title character is played by Jeff Bridges. So uh, and uh, great Jack Nietzsche score, um, uh, beautiful uh, Jordan Cronenweth, uh, mm. the guy who shot uh, uh, Stop Making Sense and Blade Runner and Peggy Sue uh-huh. Got Married. He's the uh, he's the photographer on it. And uh, great, like, cast of supporting characters, you know, character actors, terrific. Stephen Elliott is one of the, uh, is, is, is a great villain in it. And um, uh, it, it is just, it's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I really, I really miss Jack Nietzsche. I got to tell you, I miss Jack Nietzsche. Because yeah, if you think was... about the kinds of, kinds of movies he composed... If you just watch the movies and you think, how can you put score to this? I mean, what score could possibly go to this? And he he did the most impossible films and made mm-hmm. them sound so distinctive. I mean, using the what do you use like a saw for a cuckoo's nest? Yeah, I mean, yeah. amazing. Well, uh, you know, amazing he started stuff. off doing surf music back in the '60s uh, mm-hmm. for for uh, well, most specifically for uh, uh, the Endless Summer. Possibly he did famous John surf Carpenter's Starman. Yeah. yeah, he did. Uh, he did Starman. He did. Uh, he did. Um, uh, Officer and was Gentleman. Ro- was Romancing the Stone? That's right. His? That's right. Oh, no, Romancing the Stone was Alan Silvestri. Jewel of the Nile was Jack Nietzsche, wasn't it? I think you're right. Uh, and he also did uh, Paul Schrader's Hardcore. Yeah, yeah uh, which I love that. Another, I love that. Another terrific well, score. Maybe we should talk more about, like, you know, it cutters away in Thunderbolt Light, but for, if nothing else, because... All right, so uh, another Twilight Time, Julia, with uh, and this one has a commentary. Uh-huh. And by the way, the Cutter's Way has a commentary track and isolated score track, and Julia has a commentary track with Jane Fonda, which is brand new, wow. uh, newly recorded. Yeah, cool. and it's yeah, and it's a 4K transfer, by the way, too, So uh, on all of these titles, so... Um, well, it's a beautiful looking and, film. Is, isn't that Douglas Slocum? That or that uh, yeah, that, that, just or, passed away. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, in the French style is the other title that Twilight Time uh, saw fit to release with Gene mm. Seberg, and that's the one I've I've never seen. That one. It's a dead spot for me. So I don't that's, know. That's, uh, uh, that's I've never even heard of that, and uh, and I do yeah. like Gene Seberg. I, I I find her like. Fascinating in some ways, even though she's so, not always good in the mo- in her movies. Yeah. But uh, she's always uh, interesting to look mm-hmm. at. Yeah, one oh one more uh, Twilight time. I forgot Chato's Land with um, Charles Bronson. That was the other one, uh, which is pretty amazing for the supporting cast in that film. If you're a movie, a true movie geek, you are going to salivate at that cast, uh, that supporting cast in that film. I was just bowled over watching it um when i watched the review disc it was amazing because there's as the you know it's uh they're after charles bronson he's a native american who shot the sheriff and so they're trying to 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 kill to kill him and so but the but the villains are portrayed by simon oakland and jack palance and ralph Waite and richard jordan and and james Uh, whitmore (laughs) Those are a few. Wow. Those are just a few. So, uh, so it, it, it sounds amazing. like the it sounds like the Native American version of First Blood. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But it's it was the first collaboration between Charles Bronson and Michael Winner. So uh, it's worth. It's oh, very wow. worth Yeah, it is. It's very worth seeing. I, I would highly 
recommend it. I'm not going to say it's anything earth-shattering, but for that casting, it's just uh, it's unbelievable to see. And Ralph Wade is a really nasty villain in this movie, and it's it's so funny to see Ralph Wade, who's so, you know, we know him from the Waltons and, and being so wholesome, and here he is just doing the most <laughs> heinous things in this film. Wow. He's, he's probably He probably liked that. Yeah, it, it's good. It's good. So, uh, anyway... So, right before he shoots, right work. before he shoots Charles Bronson, he says, "Good night, John Boy." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's just great to see all these, and I I love Simon Oakland personally. I just thought he was a great actor who died way too soon, and anything he's in, uh, just I'm just I'm there. I'm, I'm Is he there a British? Always. He's a British actor, right? No, no, he was. No. Uh, I think he was. He was. An, he was American born. Uh, he had this. Kind of had an Italian look to him. You know, oh, right. I recognize yeah. him now. He's God, from New York. He was in a million things. <laughs> yeah, he played Colchak Pulse on The Night Stalker, most notably for anybody who's a fan of 70s television. Oh, Colchak The Night he, Stalker. He was the one that was stuck with that uh, impossible scene in Psycho. The, the, the closing the scene that everybody complains That's, about, that big monologue. Yeah. yeah. Explaining yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And don't forget, okay. he's Officer Krupke in uh, West Side Story. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he's he had quite right. an interesting career. So uh, anyway, uh, Suspicion uh, from Warner Archive, the uh, Hitchcock film. They did that. They put that one out on uh, uh, April the twelfth. And then we have uh, here's one I'm not sure anybody who's clamoring for. Screen Factory uh, issued Village of the Damned, and I'm not talking about the 1960 version either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the one with Christopher Reeve, and it was the last film that he shot before his accident. You know, the yeah, equestrian accident. Oh, God. Uh, oh really? That was the last one. Huh. That was yep. the last. Yeah. That did That's it. it. That's interesting. I, I have yeah. to say that might be one of the few John Carpenter's that I have not watched because it, don't bother. It, it, <laughs> is this where John Carpenter starts to really lose it? This movie. I thought I lost it before this, but yeah, I mean, you could, the movie is uh, yeah. really bad. The movie's really bad. I mean, we all like Carpenter to various degrees. I mean, I, I like him. I know Rick. Rick mm-hmm. really likes John Carpenter, but Village of the Dam is. is uh, Pretty yeah, bad. The, 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 worst, the, the worst scene, the worst scene is Christopher Reeve, and it's a such an overacted scene where he's looking at the little girl's dead eyes and he's screaming, "I want you to feel, damn it! I want you to feel!" And oh, that movie no. has. That I'm movie already has super, embarrassed. That movie has Superman <laughs> and Luke Skywalker in it. I mean, Mark Hamill yeah, in too, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Kirstie yeah, Alley, well, right? Isn't yes. she? Yes. Yeah, so, Star yeah. Trek Two. Well, what was Percy Allen? <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, what a convergence. <laughs> well, the story, the story about that goes that uh, Carpenter was supposed to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon in 1982, and then it fell fell apart. And that was he still owed Universal one more movie, and so that was the because uh, it was a two picture deal. I think The Thing was the other one. And so uh, he owed him another film, so that was the one he did. Just uh, I think he was just going through the motions because he owed him a film, basically. Um, but, okay. uh, wow. Creature from okay. the Black Lagoon sounds promising, though. That, that might have been I interesting. Know. I know. I've read uh, snippets about what he had planned for that, and that uh, 
I would love to have seen a John Carpenter, especially early '80s John Carpenter take on Creature from the Black yeah. Lagoon. That would have been and it, and it would have had a great uh, dynamic two-note score. It would have been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm sorry. So anyway, so only angels have wings. Uh, the Howard Hawks film. That's a Criterion release. Oh, cool! That's a very good movie. Uh, yeah, that made its way out there. Uh, and um, also, A Ghost in the Shell, the uh, anime uh, classic. Yeah. Anchor Bay put that one out. Which and, they're getting uh, ready to uh, do the remake. They're, I guess they're filming the remake of that now with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, I think some so. controversy. They talk about yeah. controversy. I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, um, that's a that's a very weird. How do you guys? What do you guys think about that? You know, there's a. I guess it should say there's a controversy out there because they. I guess the filmmakers experimented with, I don't think they went with it, but they experimented with uh, making, uh, using digital effects to make uh, Scarlett Johansson look look more Asian. Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And uh, is that, I guess, I guess, uh, uh, you know, doing that with makeup would be bad, so, so it's bad with, I don't know. It's a bad move. I mean, you have a lot of great first-rate Asian actresses who could play the part. Um, regardless of what Max Landis said last week, um, you do have a lot. What Are they box office? We don't know. The problem is here, We this is sort of like a thing where both sides are kind of wrong because the rest of the world really doesn't care mm-hmm. um, one way or the other. Um, this is sort of blown up. But here's the bottom line. Do we need a live-action version of Ghost in the Shell? When the anime is fine as it is, do we really need um, one to make the argument that Lucy is, you know, the movie that Charles Manson Lucy is kind of like the live-action Ghost in the Shell, if you want to. Um, so do we I really think Ghost in the to? Shell, like, is one of those movies, like, okay, so at the top of the anime chain is is things like Miyazaki and stuff like that, and then we get to Akira, and then... Mm. I think Ghost in the Shell comes down a few notches down to where if if you've seen that movie, you're probably a pretty big anime fan in general. Yeah. But some people are not anime fans, and I kind of include myself in that category where I kind of like the the probably the top ten anime films, maybe 15, and then I start to drop off because I I'm not interested in looking at that animation style. Very much, right? That right. Well, of... I've seen. You know, there was a Ghost in the Shell movie that came out. God, this is like a long, not a long time ago, but like ten or twelve years ago in the theater, a sequel, and it's fine. But I don't know if you really need to have a, a live action version of it. Yeah, like that's mm-hmm. the, you know they're having this problem with the Kira for the last twenty years. They keep trying to make a yeah, live. Yeah, they've been action trying version. to do that forever. Yeah, maybe we don't need mm-hmm. it. I mean, it works fine as it is. I don't know if yeah. a live action. Movie I mean, with... my my feeling about that kind of thing is uh, we don't, you know, you know what my feeling is. We don't need it. Yeah, we don't need any movie. <laughs> <laughs> but if, you, if you're going to make it, make it right. But, I mean, yeah. that's my only. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, Adam. I don't. I, I can. I can watch a live action Ghost in the Shell, especially with Scarlett <laughs> Johansson. <laughs> Sorry, but... just to solve the thing. I mean. Yeah. There was no need to age the, to whatever the process is. There was no need to do that. Um, right. Why does the character? I mean, my my yeah. need comes down to whether or not she's naked in it. I mean, that that will determine. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> well, we have two late career entries here from uh, Anthony Perkins, and I do mean mm. like as in two years before his passing, uh, Edge of Sanity and Destroyer. Yeah. So uh, uh, if you, uh, he's hamming it up <laughs> in the Edge of – go ahead. Yeah. I, I know Edge of Insanity. I don't know Destroyer. Edge of Insanity is the the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde retell. That's the one. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this Destroyer, he plays a movie director in that one. Uh, I, it's uh, not kind of vague on the plot details, but it's a double feature. Wow. So if you buy Edge of Sanity, you get Destroyer <laughs> as a bonus. It's the the, so. the only character scarier than Norman Bates. It's a, <laughs> it's a movie director. <laughs> I remember uh, reading the psychotronic uh, Michael Weldon psychotronic video that used to come out every month back then, and he was uh, saying that he that he looked like um, a horror movie version of Iggy Pop when he in the Edge of Sanity. <laughs> uh, so he must have been pretty pretty well into his sickness at that point. So. Yeah, yeah, he it was yeah he died not long after, but um, anyway, hmm. uh, so uh, have a tale of two cities. From Shout Factory, the 1980 version with Chris Sarandon, and uh, there's, there's that. And uh, was that like uh, a TV movie or something? I think it was. I believe it was. Uh, yeah. yeah. But uh, okay. and then we have a Bride of Reanimator from Arrow. Hmm. Uh, so talk about your. Uh, As always, the plethora of horror titles is unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but Reanimator is a worthy entry into into the genre. But is Bride of Reanimator any good? I never saw it. I got to be honest. I never did. Okay. Uh, so I'm not really sure what. Uh, is it also you know, is it also Stuart Gordon? Wasn't Stuart Gordon the one that did the uh, first one? Yeah, yes. Brian Yesna directed the second one, I believe. Oh, uh, okay. I don't think I don't think Gordon had anything to do with it, which is probably I've heard that it has its moments, but it's overall kind of lackluster compared to the original. So okay, uh, and then they they did a third one too, you know. After that, so there was like the a Sun? trilogy of them. Son of Reanimator. Yeah, that, uh, I can't remember the title of the third one, but there's there's three of them for sure. But uh, the mother-in-law. Anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> mother-in-law the Reanimator. <laughs> so, well, we'll move on to other things, as in the Criterion uh, Wit Stillman box set, which has Met- Metropolitan Barcelona and the Last Days of Disco, which that was mm. issued on the 19th. And they also issued Barcelona as a standalone disc. I'm not sure why they didn't issue the other two t- two titles. Well, they they disc. have done those. I mean, I've always wondered why they had it. Oh, okay. Barcelona, because that's, that's my what favorite my favorite Wit Stillman movie. So I'd actually. We'll try to get. I think I'll probably just try to get the box set. But I mean, yeah. Well, there's one copy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's one. There's one cell. There's one cell, man. So, well, uh, Universal has issued the Doris Day Rock Hudson uh, collection that has uh, "Lover Come Back," "Send Me No Flowers," and "Pillow Talk." Huh. So, Those uh, are the best ones. Yeah. Well, the, the, the Doris Day and Rock Hudson Romantic Comedy Collection. And they are funny. They're yeah. they're not they're 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 still they're still clever and uh you know Tony Randall is in probably is is in I was gonna say, at yeah. least two of them and he's good yeah. in them. So yeah, I, I don't know. They're they're interesting uh, relics, uh, really, but uh, brightly colored. So you, you, I, I guess they're you, probably all CinemaScope. So uh, they are. That's yeah. 
and uh and at least in one or two of them there's there's great split screen work occasionally which i always mm-hmm. love so very yeah. de palma esque de palma uh-huh. directing doris day and rock Hudson. <laughs> so are you a big fan of uh are you a big fan of tony randall as well dean I I do like Tony Randall quite a bit. Uh, Tony Randall I think he and Jamie Farr. Maybe one. I think he should have <laughs> possibly won an Oscar for uh, Seven Seven Faces of Doctor Lau, which I I think is or Low Doctor Low, uh, back in the back in the sixties where he played mm-hmm. uh, eight eight different characters. Well, yeah. or, or seven different. Well, for, uh, my my perspective on Tony Randall, I think one character was more than enough. But uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Tony Randall was a great actor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was. He was a great. He was mostly a stage actor, I think. You know what? The last thing he did was actually. A, I think the last thing he did was actually a Pacino play because he ran. He ran a theater, and uh, Pacino did a a Brecht a Verhol Brecht play, and Tony Randall took a role in it, and that was an amazing production because it was it was Pacino. Tony Randall, Steve Buscemi, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It was a big play in New York. Mm. I think he died right after doing that play. Mm. Wow. See, they all respected Tony Randall. (laughs) 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 I'm lacking there. I'm sorry. That's a defect on my part. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, we have uh, the Joe Esterhouse. Four years before he scripted uh, Basic Instinct, he tried to do the same thing with Betrayed. With Deborah Winger and mm. Tom Berger. I just Don watched that. Heard. I just watched that again. Have you seen that mm-hmm. uh, before, Adam? I've never seen it, actually. I remember when it came out, but I missed it. Yeah. It's when Deborah Winger goes undercover and uh, uh, marries Tom Berger, falls in love with him, but her original point was to go undercover and expose him as part of a white supremacy group. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, it's it's typical of Costa Gavras, the kind of the. Right, yeah. Later work after his most acclaimed stuff had already come out, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's the same way. It, music Box is comparable, mm-hmm. but uh, Music Box is far superior. I think. Oh, I yeah. think Betrayed yeah, is Betrayed is more obvious. It's less shaded than uh, Music Box. Mm-hmm. Well, how about the uh, Sam Fuller film, Dead Pigeon on Beethoven Street? Uh, Ken Lorber's issuing that one from nineteen seventy. Always been one of my favorite titles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I find that title fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it though. That's a, that's mm. a '70s movie, isn't it? 1970, yeah. And yeah. Uh, here we have, uh, you know, Tom Holland's famous for uh, directing *Fright Night* and *Child's Play*. But uh, in between those two films, he made *Fatal Beauty* with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Sam <laughs> Elliott. So that's that's getting issued. <laughs> 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 uh, Wait a what what movie did you just say? It. Did you just say Fatal Beauty? Yes. Fatal Beauty, yes. I just I just gave that Blu-ray to Rick. <laughs> <laughs> I started to Have you watched it in my yet, collection. Rick? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <your> collection. <laughs> well, I mean, these are the meaningful gifts I, I, I give by my best friend. That, hey, Fatal <laughs> Beauty, please take it off my hands, please. Can you take it? I'm going to give him next next month. It'll be a copy of Whoopi Goldberg's T-Rex movie on Blu-ray. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah. Or uh, Eddie, or Clara's Heart, or Take Your Pick. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on all night. Yeah, we could go on all night. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, Charles B. Pierce was uh, the guy who directed The Legend of Boggy Creek and The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which are two films that kind of creeped me out as a kid. But he also made two non-horror films in between those two called Gray Eagle and Winter Hawk, and they've been issued on uh, as a double feature from, again, Shout Factory. And uh, I wish that's pretty odd, be... isn't it? He I know it is. Two, two movies about Native American history, kind of directed by Charles B. Pierce, nonetheless. Anyone looking to uh, fill up their catalog with the uh, film career of Amy Dolan's can uh, add Miracle <laughs> Beach to their uh, <laughs> into their shelf. <laughs> yeah, Miracle Beach from 1992, also with Dean Cameron and Alexis Arquette and Pat Morita and Martin Mull. So. Uh, there you go. <laughs> is that on Blu-ray uh, or DVD? It? It's yeah. Blu-ray. It's Blu-ray. Oh, wow, Blu-ray. Wow. To see Amy and Oliver Clarity. Yeah. Uh, she did. Uh, uh, is, is she the same one that did? She's out of control, right? With Tony Danza. Was that I her think first so. movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh did. boy, that was. Are bad. you a big fan of Tony Danza? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I part I part company with Tony Danza now. Okay. Well, anyway, so uh, we have uh, Panic in Year Zero by Kino Lorber's putting that out. That's from 1962. It was Ray Milan, Gene Hagen, and Frankie Avalon. What a cast! Wow. So, and Milan directed it, didn't he? Uh, Panic in Year, I believe so. Yeah, I think that was. His, uh, yeah. I don't know if it was his only directorial. Uh, yeah. Effort, but not well, bad. Not a bad movie. Well, you guys referenced Kirstie Alley earlier. Uh, sibling rivalry is being issued with Carrie Fisher and Bill Pullman, <laughs> I, directed by I, Carl I can, Reiner. I can sleep. I can sleep easy now, knowing that that is that is on Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Susan slept here with uh, Dick Powell, Debbie Reynolds, and Francis, directed by Frank Tashlin. Now that Warner Archive is issuing that one. Debbie Reynolds the, was nominated for an Oscar for that, for Best Actress. Yeah. The old Brenner film, directed by Sam Wanamaker, File of the Golden Goose, from 1969. We have that. Uh, and uh, The Fool, which is a fairly recent release. It's a foreign film that I, I thought it was an older film. But uh, anyway, we'll move along. Uh, the stuff from 1985. No. Uh, that's a good uh, one. Like yeah, Larry Cohen, Paul Servino, of course, Ma- Michael Moriarty, and uh, is that? That's a really, that's a really terrific satire. And Garrett uh, Morris, isn't Garrett mm-hmm. Morris in the stuff? Yes, he is. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's about it's about the uh, uh, killer killer yogurt. <laughs> yeah, kill her, that's right. Yeah, yeah it really is. Like, you yeah. heard that right, folks. <laughs> so there's uh, Shout Fa- Scream Factory has done. Uh, you know, Arrow put out the uh, three disc box set of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two a couple of years ago. Well, Scream Factory that. has. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'd be curious. I don't even like the movie, but I want to see it. I, I mean, I want to see the extras on it, and I want to know what. A pr- just like that pieces that just came out that Rick and I were talking about pieces. I want to know what a pristine print of pieces looks, looks like. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd think it'd be just better if it was all cut up and mangled, had cigarette burns. Yeah, and, you know, part of, still part had of the charm. in it and stuff. 
Yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, we have Yuli's Gold from uh, oh, that's the a 90s. Good one. That's, yeah. uh, that was well reviewed. And Uptown Girls. There's one right there. I like that one too. Actually, is that that's the one with Brittany Brittany Murphy? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Dakota yeah. Fanning, Heather Locklear. Yeah, yeah, not bad, actually. Very entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, there's the old Olive's putting that out, and, uh, they're also doing, uh, What's the Worst That Could Happen from 2001? <laughs> that, 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 that movie. The title yeah, refers to the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Self referential. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They might as so, well uh, title the, whole, the movie. Don't waste your time. <laughs> That's <laughs> the title of the movie. Yeah. So the 1985 film, uh, The Holcraft Co- Co- uh, Covenant, with uh, Michael Caine, where uh, they're issuing that one, and um, also, um, let's see, just lost track here. Uh, Norm of the North. Mm-hmm. Might be a oh yeah, fairly... is that an animated film from earlier yeah, that's a recent. this year? Yeah, that's Lionsgate. Yeah, it's putting that one out. So I think okay, moving right along. Uh, Death becomes her, the okay. uh, Zemeckis film. Uh, we've got that coming this coming Tuesday. That's another Shout Factory, as oh, well Shout as Shout uh, special effects of that. Yeah, they've actually Shout Factory's got a lot of the rights to the Universal stuff. Okay. And uh, they're doing um, the Raising Cane special edition in August. Oh, right, right. And, uh, Which yeah, is surprising. They... In, the, in that De Palma documentary, he says that Raising Cane is one of two movies that he, he gets the most money from. Raising Cane, like the residuals hmm. from that. Well, That's very interesting. Do you think it plays on TV a lot or something? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's <laughs> weird. Okay. That's interesting. Well, uh... So Dolomite has uh, is been is, is being issued and it's a 4K restoration being put out by <laughs> Vinegar Syndrome with lots of another extras. movie that that would be, just be better all beat up instead of <laughs> yeah whatever so they got to put everything go. out so uh, Brief Encounter um, that's the uh, David Lean film from 1945 Criterion is issuing that one. Uh, and one of the have, greatest uh, movies ever made. Yes, absolutely. And I, uh, I got my review copy of that one, and it's it really looks good. They've done a great job with the tra- with the transfer and everything. Um, which one is that? 19- I wasn't listening. Brief what, encounter. Which one uh, brief encounter. Brief encounter. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, and uh, it's such a brisk film too. It's less than uh, ninety minutes, you know. So that and incredibly influential. I mean, so many people have done. Uh, I mean, you could even say that like a movie like Carol is is kind of oh yeah uh-huh. uh, influenced by that yeah absolutely uh, it's just uh, it it's a movie that people forget how influential it really is yeah absolutely yeah so you have uh, John Milius' 1973 film Dillinger Dillinger uh, Arrow is uh, issuing that one yeah yeah I mean, that's a good so, one. That is yeah. a good. That is a really underrated too. Yeah, and um, got a couple other things here. We're getting towards the end, but um, the inspector. That's from uh, 1969. That's. Uh, I think it's a collection. I'm not sure if it's a. I think it's a collection of the uh, inspector cartoons, uh, as in the Inspector Clouseau huh. uh, animated mm-hmm. De Patty 
Briz Freeling. So oh, okay. That. Yeah, so it's... When uh, did they start doing those? Uh, they... God, I can hardly remember those. I remember Pink Panther, but I don't remember the Inspector Clouseau cartoons. The date on it is 1969, so I guess it was late wow. 60s, early 70s. But, uh... And then well, acid, uh, this acid one was popular back then, so I think this is true. Uh, and then um, also this coming Tuesday, Screen Factory is issuing, and they announced this one. For some reason, I had the date back in January, and it was the incorrect date. But the correct date is this coming Tuesday for the movie S S S S S. Yeah. Okay. The film about the with our. The great character actor Struther Martin, who turns people into king cobras in that film, and Dirk Benedict. Uh, and there's a, actually featurettes on the uh, the disc, I'm told, uh, one with uh, Dirk Benedict reflecting on it. And uh, Heather Menzies had the female lead in it. She played his daughter, and uh, so um, she's she's contributed to the film, uh, to the disc as well. So, um so that's coming out Tuesday, and I'll have to admit that's a guilty pleasure for me. I believe I'm going to have to pick that one up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and um, what from 1972 with Marcello Mastroianni, uh, Hugh Griffith, mm. directed by Roman Polanski. <laughs> we can't and probably still the only Roman Polanski that I haven't seen. Ne- yeah, that's probably the most obscure one. Yeah. yeah. So, I, and I have to admit, I've never gotten through Pirates. <laughs> well, we don't blame you here. Uh, yeah, we don't. Know. <laughs> That's yeah. really fine. I mean, we can we can forgive that. <laughs> and we'll leave we'll we'll leave this month uh, on this note. Uh, Criterion has chosen to issue the Kennedy films of Robert Drew and Associates, and this is a collection that has all of the Robert Drew films. Uh, that uh, he, the documentary films he made about uh, John F. Kennedy, and they're very interesting because they're very cinema verite uh, style films. Uh, Crisis, Faces of November, and Adventures mm. on the New Frontier. So they're very uh, uh, now. Now are oh, these are pri- these films are these films on the campaign trail or during his presidency? Well, primary was the movie that was on the ca- campaign trail, so that's not yep. included in the. Primary is. In, I just saw it. Yes, it is. Your okay, record. so primary is there. So yeah, so primary is the campaign trail. Crisis is the movie about uh, the uh, clash between uh, the Kennedys and um, uh, what's his name, uh, George. Uh, oh God, the the guy down in Alabama. Wallace. George oh, Wallace, yeah. right? God, uh, George Wallace. You know, uh, the that's the clash over letting the black kids into the university, and then uh, Faces of November is about the aftermath of uh, of Kennedy's assassination, and then what's the last one? I don't know. The what last the, one was the yeah. Faces of November. Oh, uh, 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 there wasn't another one. There was a okay. No, it was just those four. Yeah, primary okay. adventures in the new frontier, crisis, faces of November. Yeah, adventures in the new frontier. I don't know what that one is. Right, yeah, so, and faces of November, by the way, is a short, so it's it's like uh, it's thirty minutes long or something. But yeah. the others are features, and they're very very good. Like two of the best documentaries that have ever been made. 
Okay. Well, what's interesting here is that they're also offering an alternate 26-minute cut of primary uh, on the disc as well, in addition to all the other extras. So if you're if you haven't seen these films, you're you know wanting to check them out. This is a good opportunity to have them all in one place. So um, anyway, so there you go. That's the April Blu-ray release slate, and uh, you know I guess that does it for this month. Good, good. Another month down. Another month yep, in the Another box. one down. <laughs> of course, next month I'm, I'm sure we'll see the uh, special 4K version of Graffiti Bridge. <laughs> 